0: this morning. I challenge you to call them this afternoon and ask them. <laughs> Open your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 14. Now we're still talking about a real people, a real church with real people seeking a real God. And Loretta asked me the other day, they said, uh, are you about through with that? And I said, <clears throat> I don't think so. We got some other things that we need to cover in this. Now, I'm going to tell you this. We've been talking about seeking God and seeking the face of God. And today we're going to look at something a little bit different. You know, I, I've told you, and this has been something that we've come up with time and time and time again, is to be in the presence of God, not only at a time like this morning, and especially when at enter the Holy of Holies, and your name is Holy, and, and in the presence of God, I could just sense, the presence of God and I believe he's here with us we're not talking about just on Sunday morning but that we you know we talked about last week about how to go out and how to come in I got something I want to share with y'all about that you know I mentioned how that you know it bothers me for people to go in the exit and come out the entrance and, and that uh, Kroger the way it's set up in their parking lot it's so easy to do that you know Y'all remember when I told you I was guilty of that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I repented over that. And yesterday I went to Kroger's, and I got out of my car, and I walked way up to the entrance, and I came out to exit, and I'm not going to call any names, but I saw a couple of people from our church come in to exit while I was standing there. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't calling no names. I ain't looking at nobody. But, see, when we go out, we don't go out from the presence of the Lord, but we go out with the presence of the Lord. But, you know, there's things, and sometimes there's things that keeps us from being in the presence of the Lord or going out with the presence of the Lord. Now, you remember, we talked about a few weeks ago uh, about how that Adam, in Genesis chapter 3, how that Adam... He, uh, they had sinned and, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the evening and they realized they were naked and they hid their self from the presence of the Lord. Now Adam did that because he had done something wrong. Then you go on over to Genesis chapter 4 and you find where Cain had killed Abel and, and it went on in, in verse 16 of chapter 4 it says that he went out from the presence of the Lord and his problem was an attitude problem that led to murder attitude you say Pastor, you believe if i got a bad attitude i might end up murdering somebody i hope you don't but you could okay unless you're warped and weird in your head people don't just get shouting happy over killing somebody all right so anyway it was his attitude and then over in jonah chapter 1 verse 3 it says that jonah went out from the presence of the lord Because he did not want to do what God told him to do. Now this morning, I want to talk about things that keep us from the presence of the Lord. And I'm not talking about just mistakes. We all make mistakes, okay? There's mistakes, there's failures that that we make in life. But now we don't want to just sit around and, and, and label everything a mistake. Can I tell you this? If you robbed somebody, that was not a mistake. All right? I'll I'll go a little bit further. If you cuss somebody out, that wasn't a mistake. Hello? All right? I'm talking about things that that happen that we never intended to happen, that we don't want to happen, those kind of mistakes. But I want to go a little bit deeper than that. And I want to get over and talk about how that each person, if we don't watch ourselves, we develop idols our minds. So look with me in Ezekiel chapter 14. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and set before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? The, the New King James Version says, that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Now, think about that. What causes them to stumble into iniquity? And you say, well, now that's Old Testament. Now, hold on now. He's talking to God's people. Israel is still God's people in the natural today. You and I are God's people. And there's things that took place and parallels that you and I can draw to our life. And if we don't watch ourselves, there's things that we will allow to come up that Satan will take a hold of and make a stronghold in our life, and following that thing will cause us to stumble into iniquity. And we'll get we'll get to all of that. Let me go on. Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of this house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, or that which causes him to stumble into iniquity, and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols that I may take the house of Israel by their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth that stumbling block of his iniquity, or that which causes him to stumble into iniquity, before his face, and cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Whoa. We see something different now. Somebody comes seeking help. God will answer them. But if they come, don't hold on to their idols and look to God for help, God said, I'll answer Okay. I figured I'd get a big shout out of that, and I didn't. And I will set my face against that man and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet be deceived, when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. And they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be even as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him. Now listen at verse eleven, that the house of Israel, or the church, may know, or may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, saith the Lord God. Now as I was reading that just now, I hadn't I hadn't thought about this this whole week and talking about this and studying it, but as I was reading that just now, the church of Ephesus came up to me. The church that was founded there by the Apostle Paul, pastored by Timothy. and But this church had done a great work. But he, if you notice, he says in Revelation chapter 2, he said, but you've left your first love. There was something that caused them to leave that first love. There was something that caused their love to begin to grow cold. So I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this this morning. See, uh, he said back over in chapter or in chapter 14, in verse two, he said that these men have set up idols in their minds, in their heart, and in their mind. Now the word idol here uh, is the same as image. Okay, sometimes it's translated image, sometimes it's translated idol. And but if I were to ask you what was the first commandment, you'd probably say that the Lord said that to honor him and have no other gods before him and not to make any idols. No. In Genesis chapter 20 and verse 4, he said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. And you say, Well, I had not got any idols. You know, now I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of idols that we can see that people have. And I've noticed, and please don't get mad at me for this. But if you do, that's okay. All right? I'm not going to be the prophet that pats you on the back, all right? But I see people walking around with these plastic idols that's got a screen and a keyboard on it, and uh, they spend a moving right along. He said, image. And God said to Ezekiel, he said, these people have set up idols or images in their mind and in their heart. I think about over in uh, uh, Genesis. I'll get it here in a minute. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, where the world had grown so wicked that God said, I'm numbering the days of man to 120 years. And he said, not only that, I'm going to destroy everything that I've made except Noah and his family because they found grace in the eyes of God. But listen to this indictment. For God doth know that in the day... You, I'm sorry. Did I put Genesis chapter 3 right there, Bo? <clears throat> anyway, chapter, chapter 6, verse 5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Imagination. Folks, the word image is the root word of the word imagination. Now, we, we set things up in our mind and, and it becomes an image and our imaginations then begin to follow after that. So if you'll stay with me for a few minutes and don't turn me off because this is a hard message and I know it is. We need to be careful about the things we seek after. If your mind is constantly on something or somebody other than God, it could be that you have allowed Satan to come in and made a stronghold and created an idol in your mind. Now, you say, well, how will I know? Well, let's just look at some things here and see if we can figure this out. First of all, if you have an idol in your mind, an image that you're looking to, then one thing that's caused, and when we talk about this now, we're talking about the spirit behind that. See, let me tell you something. Every evil work has an evil spirit inducing it. Get a hold of that. Every evil work has an evil spirit inducing it. Evil just don't happen on its own, okay? It don't just all of a sudden, there's evil. No, there's evil spirit behind it, evil intentions. And it may seem good, and it may seem honorable, but folks, it's not. So we need to, we need to realize that. First of all, what will happen is that, that if presumption, I want you to think about that with me. In verse 3, he says, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. He is, they have put that which causes them to stumble before their face. In other words, they're thinking about it and spending time in it all the time to the point to where they even think that this is okay. See, here's something. If you have an idol in your heart and image, you'll begin to make plans for that. And, and and you'll begin to figure out ways to do that. You'll sit at home and, and think about it. You'll drive down the road think about it. You'll sit in church and think about it while the preacher's trying to preach. You'll think about things. And I'm not talking about here, and we're going to use the word adultery here in a few minutes. I'm not talking about necessarily physical adultery, I'm talking about spiritual adultery, things that pulls you away from God and you go do it and and, and you presume that this is okay because, you know, it just looks good and, and you know, anything we want to do, we can make uh, uh, excuses for it to begin with. I mean, we can give reasons for it and this starts for young people and, th- and this is something I, I pray you young people, I see you looking at me real good and I want you to listen to this today. Because this is something that if you can get a hold of now, it'll save you a lot of problem and heartache in your life to come. Because many a young girl has allowed a young man that, to become an idol to her. Many a young man has allowed a young girl to become an idol to them. And, and you, can't, you can't afford that because you'll begin to do what your idol or your image in your mind requires for you to do to, to, to stay there and to stay strong. And it's the same way with adults. We we all do that. And, and then we get to the point to where that, that well, if I do this, i can ask God and He'll forgive me. That's presuming on the grace of God. I had a lady to say to me sometime back, I said, you know what you're talking about doing is sin, don't you? Well, yeah, but I believe that if I do it and when I do it, I can ask God and God will forgive me and it will be all right. That don't work that way, okay? That's not the way that works. Because with that kind of thing, you have an evil heart, and you have evil intentions, and you're presuming on the grace of God. Jeroboam, when the when the nation of Israel split, became the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom because King Jeroboam had uh, received some stupid advice. You know, I, I think he's not in the class by itself because most all of us have at some point in time. If we're not really seeking God, we'll receive some stupid advice. And, and so because of that, Jeroboam, and it was a prophecy coming along, rose up and the, and the nation of Israel split to where there was ten northern tribes and two southern tribes, or actually ten and a half and two and a half because it Ephraim and Manasseh was in there, split up Joseph. And so uh, Jeroboam then said this. He said, you know, we got this thing going now. And if we don't watch it, all of our folks are going to go back to Israel. Because the men were supposed to go three times a year, and then they were all supposed to go uh, either to Passover, the Day of Atonement. So there was a lot of times that they were to have to come back to the to temple, excuse me, in Jerusalem to worship. So Jeroboam said, look, that's not really convenient for us to do. Not only that, but if they go, they you know they may not come back. So we're going to fix it to where they don't have to go. So he put up, he erected a replica of Solomon's temple in Dan and in Bethel. They, they said that uh, archaeologists say the ruins of those temples are still there today. and You can go there. they got the outer court, got the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And he said, we'll do this. He did one in Dan in the northern part of, the, of Israel and, and one in Bethel down in the southern part. And, and from what I could understand, Bethel is only about 11 miles away from the city of Jerusalem. But Now, I said that for a purpose. He said, we don't want them to have to travel so far to go back to worship God so they can worship here. And it'll be okay. So many times, images and idols that we get in our mind tries to influence us not to be in church. You know, that's the reason churches are not full today. I'm talking about churches are not full today of people that already confessed to be Christians because that they've allowed other things to come in. And I had someone tell me, they said, you gotta, you got to pray for me that we won't be lazy anymore. I said, look, God's not going to come in and do a magic work and all of a sudden take laziness out of you. You've got to put some effort into it. You know that? So, anyhow, he built these. He said, so, so you don't have to go to Israel. You can just worship here. How many people have fell into that life? You don't have to go to church. You can just watch a preacher on TV. He'll just, you know, and, and that's okay. Because you know why? You know why people fall into that so much? It's because it's not convenient to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. I'll get back to that in a few minutes. And he said, not only that, he said, here's what we're going to do. You know, you can come here to these temples and worship God. But if that's not good enough, we're going to give you some other gods to worship. So he set up a gold calf, put one in Dan, gold calf, put one in Bethel. And he said, now, look, Israel, you worship God, or here's really the gods that brought you up out of Egypt and worship them. And and I, I did some study about this this week. The calf, not necessarily made out of gold, but whatever it was, the idol there, even back in Egypt, and that's where this came from, the calf lended itself to to leadership or being or following something mainly a false God. So he said you can worship the calf. If you need direction, he'll show you where to go. He'll tell you what to do. But because it was built out of gold, to what I can understand, they also worship the God of Mammon. Gold, money. They worship and he's saying this, he said, you know, if if the true and living God's only way I know to say it. If the true and living God is not good enough for you, then here's another God you'd worship. And if you've got money problems, you can worship the God of mammon. But there's a problem with that. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. And, and, and But we, how many times do we let money become the image in our mind? And everything's about money, getting money, having money, wanting money. Got to do this. Got to have that. Money, money, money. Work, 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 work. You know, uh, like, like those say as you work your fingers to the bone. You know the rest of that, don't you? What you get is bony fingers. <laughs> Gold represents mammon. And Jesus said you can't worship God and mammon at the same time. Folks, let me tell you this. Whatever, whatever is consuming your mind is an idol to you. Whatever is consuming your mind. You say, well, Pastor, we have to work, we have to go to school. And that's exactly right. We do. But, folks, we need to do all of that under God. Everything that we do needs to be under Jesus. Because, let me tell you, He will give you wisdom and knowledge and understanding as you seek Him and walk in His presence that's far above any natural ability that you may think that you might have. But we've got to get Him on the throne and get Him in first place can't live in the presence of God with an idol in your heart. Especially when you know it. Now the next thing is estrangement. Now I know we don't use that word much. In verse 5 it says that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are estranged from me through their idols. Estrangement. The word estrangement here is talking about spiritual, spiritual adultery. But in the Hebrew language it gives this picture of a woman who is married but living in an adulterous relationship with another man. That's what it is. And God said to Israel, see, He didn't tell. He not only told them that they were backslid, but He said Israel, as a nation, were adulteresses. And He said, What you're doing with these idols is you're committing spiritual adultery against Me. Now that's strong words, folks, because in that day. Someone that was actually caught in adultery, if they did what they were supposed to do according to the law that had been set down, they were to be taken out and stoned. Boy, I wonder today in America, in the population problem, wouldn't it? I wonder in the church. <clears throat> now I'm talking about natural adultery here, sexual relationships. And it's so sad that the church runs rampant with it. I know right now there's this big news about the Hollywood producer that has assaulted all of these women and and all down through the time. And, you know, I've got a special judgment in my mind reserved for people like that, and I can't tell you what it is because we're in a mixed congregation. Uh, If it was just us men, I could tell you, but I can't. It's that bad. Forgive me, Lord. But anyway... it's not as bad as stoning. I don't know. It might even be worse. But anyhow, he said Israel were adulterers, adulteresses. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, And the Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that, that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up on every high mountain under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. Verse 9, and I want to read this from the New King James Version. It said, And it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And you know, there's a couple of things in this right here. You say, how can you commit adultery with stones and trees? Well, stones is what you build altars out of. Trees is what you burn the offering on. You, know, you cut the wood and burn it with that. But the thing that got me in here, in, in the King James, it says the lightness of her whoredom. And that's not talking about, you know, well... It's not really bad. No, it's not what it's talking about. The the New King James says her casual harlotry. And what had happened with Israel is they had come to the point that it did not bother them that they were committing spiritual adultery with God. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, there's times that people have followed this thing in their mind and it pulls them away from God. It pulls them away from the Word. It pulls them away from church. and, And they get to the point that, well, it don't really matter. Because, oh, so and so, he's doing worse than what I'm doing. They're worse than me. At least what I'm doing is not as bad as what they're doing. And it just looked at in a casual way, whatever it may be. You know, one thing that I, I think of, and can I say that When I say something up here, I'm not picking on anybody. Okay? I'm trying to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to understand that. But it, it would be like somebody watching R-rated movies. And the first time they watched one, well, that's just the violence in that, made it be R-rated. Well, that's fine. I like a good action movie too. But you know, you can't hardly watch them anymore because of other things that come in. The vulgar talk, the sexual stuff that comes in. It's just we got started watching some, some of the television series of, of uh, Supergirl. Superwoman. Supergirl, is that what it is? Supergirl? Yeah. You know, Superman's cousin, you know. And we watched a few of those and we liked them because, like that good action, you know, and like to see her knock those bullets off and fly through the air and all of that kind of stuff. But we quit watching it because it came down that her earthly sister was beginning to have an affair with a woman and they lesbians. And I said, Not watching this junk anymore. No more. It's out. Not going to spend my time watching something like that when I don't even. Believe in it. But we get to the point to where we move, and, and it's not so bad. It's not so bad, and we make excuses for it, to where it don't matter anymore. And you'll sit at home and watch TV shows that are full of junk that you as a child of God don't need, and it's because that, that little piece of plastic with that screen over there has got your attention, and a show with a name on it has got you to where you're going to watch it every week, and you're going to make time for it. You know, close your Bible and lay it down and just turn off the telephone because I'm going to sit here and watch this. A lot of people are that way this time of year about football. Just say it. And hunting. I love to hunt. And I like to go to a football game. Yeah, grocery shopping. I like the fishing, hunting, and fishing is grocery shopping, brother Gary. We've got this thing, we we've got it qualified now, hadn't we? <laughs> all right. Anyway, Friday night we're people get all wrapped up in this kind of stuff, and I got so I got to tell you all this. I got so tickled. Friday night we're at the ball game, and Mark said, "I don't know why pastors come to the ball game and yell at the umpires like they do." <laughs> Are they getting ready for Sunday? Morning? Well, I've learned something. I've learned something. I've not quit yelling at the umpires, but i learned to do it when everybody else is yelling so they can't hear me. <laughs> I'm working on cutting it out. I mean, just because that guy misses 15 calls in a row, it just, he's the one got the problem, not me. But uh, I, won't, I won't say who it was. Some of you may know, but a pastor from another church in this community was standing up here. And, buddy, he gave that umpire, those officials, a tough time, didn't he both? Give him a tough time. And Bo, bless his heart, y'all know Bo, he's just meek, mild, never bother anybody. Walked by him after the ball game over and said, You going to get that excited at church Sunday morning? <laughs> he said, I sure am. I'd like to have a microphone over this church this morning to find. Anyway, no. Spiritual adultery is going off and sinning following your idol, knowing that you don't need to be doing this, watching that, reading that, listening to that, drinking that, eating that, going there, being involved in that situation, knowing that, and then coming back and slipping in bed with God. That's how serious this is. Like I said, I know this is hard, but let me tell you, as I was getting ready for this message this week, I thought about a whole bunch of people that should have been here today, but they're not. And, you know, I've heard people say, I've heard preachers say, well, God's got who He wants to hear this message here today. No, He had not Uh-uh. A lot of people. A lot of people. Just, just that God knew who was going to be here. And the Lord said this to me. There's some folks that as far as idols and images in their mind go, they're standing on a ledge and they're about to go off a cliff. But today God's calling us back from that ledge. Whatever it may be, God's calling us back from that and saying today, you don't have to go that way. Let me tell you something, folks. Sin will never affect God's love for you. Never will. Thank God nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But it will affect my love for God. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Let me tell you something, folks. If we were home yet, I'd say, okay. We're not home yet. And we live on this earth, and we'll have all of these things. And the thing that we need to learn to do is come into the presence of God and go out with the presence of God and walk in the presence of God so that these things that keeps us separated from the presence of God will no longer be there. Another thing that happens when you have an image of spiritual deafness that's in how many times have we accepted see they came to the prophet because they couldn't hear God? How many times have we said, Well, I just don't believe God's listening to me? Now there's two things there. One thing is that we're sometimes we're praying in unbelief, but another time we're praying in presumption. And Isaiah chapter fifty-nine, verses one and two. Said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Thank God for that. Amen. But, uh-oh, now we're in trouble. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins has hid his face from you that he will not hear. Not only that he will not hear, but that you cannot hear God. Sin keeps you from hearing God. Folks, if you're having trouble hearing God, you need to get before Him and allow the Holy Spirit to do like David prayed and said, Lord, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. If there's any secret sin for something here, something that I'm doing that's not right, help me to know that so that I can get this thing moved out of my life. You say, well, well, Pastor, what if it's something I like? Then you need to change your liking. There's things that I like too, but we change it. See, what happens when we get to following this image is we turn down God and turn up the image. We don't hear God. Where God says to walk this way, this idol says, no, walk this way because this way is more fun. This is more fun. It's more fun to get caught up in the things of the world than it is to walk in the things of God. But understand this, the pleasures of sin are but for a season. But the riches of God endure eternally. Or they say, uh, you know, uh, you know, this. This you, not only will this be more fun and go this way, but here's one thing that people cop out on. It's too hard to be a Christian. Let me tell you something. That image is telling you that, but the way of the transgressor is hard. The easiest thing that a child of God can do is to be a Christian. I'm talking about somebody sold out to God and walking in the presence of God. The easiest thing you can do is be a Christian. Can I tell you this today? With God, I couldn't backslide and get away from God. I don't want to. I believe that because of my relationship with God today, it would be impossible for me to. And now, you notice how I said that, because of my relationship with God. I want to live in His presence and walk in His presence because it's so much better. Listen, folks, I've tried the way of the world. Can I tell you this? I've tried the way of the world since I've been a Christian. I've tried the way of the world since I've been a pastor, a preacher. And going God's ways a lot better. There's less pressure here than there is in the world. Less pre- Why? Because here I don't have to live under condemnation. There's no condemnation living here. Why? I'm in Christ Jesus. And my goal is not to feed the idol of my mind, but my goal is to feed God Himself through the Spirit of God and allow Him to feed me and live in me. Sometimes it, you, you'll think, am I preaching too long? No, I still got a few. Sometimes you'll think the voice that you're listening to is God. I read a story about this fellow that came to his pastor, and his pastor was a good, true man, and and he said, "This pastor said, you know, pastor said, man, this woman we are we are having an adulterous affair, but we read the Bible together and we pray together." Now, folks, listen. This kind of thing happens. We read the Bible together, we pray together, and God speaks to us that pastor, being a man of God he was, said to him, said, that is a lie straight from hell. The voice that you're hearing is not the voice of God, but the voice of that spirit behind that image that you've allowed to consume you in your mind. And I I pray this morning that none of us are to this point. But let me tell you something. If you're constantly justifying your faults and failures and lacks and, and what you want to do, knowing that it's against the things of God, then you're listening to a conversation that you don't need to be listening to. Consequences. Verse 10, he said, And they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity, the punishment of the prophet shall be, even as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him. This is talking about a prophet or a pastor that don't have enough gumption or is involved in things himself so that when somebody comes and and it's evident that they're involved in something, that the pastor just brushes it off. See, he said here in verse 10 uh, that they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity, talking about the prophet and the person together, the punishment of the prophet that's not doing what he should do, shall be even as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him. In this word, in this verse, the words punishment and iniquity come from the same Hebrew word. It could read, and they shall bear the iniquity of their punishment. It could, you know, either way it could go there. But, But what I want to look at this is this term iniquity. What is iniquity? There's been a lot of different uh, thoughts and ideas put onto the word iniquity. I believe iniquity is act now, and what I mean by that is it's ongoing of the sin that you're being involved in now. And what I mean by that is how that you continue to walk in that sin, knowing it's there, and the consequences of that that come. And there's consequences. What do we say? Every decision has consequences. Every action, everything that we do, there's consequences, either good or bad. And here's the thing about it. He's even said that these consequences, this iniquity, can be passed on down to the the third generation. And I'm not talking about generational curses as much as I am characteristics and traits that come up in people. Let me tell you, if your life is not any better than a grandfather back up there that lived like the devil, then you've allowed what was going on in his life to inhabit your life. You have. We look back and we see our ancestors before us and bad traits that was in their life. We don't need to settle. Well, that's the way they was. I guess that's the way I am. I'm just like my daddy. But well, if your daddy was mad and flew off the handle of everything that's going on and cussed and stomped, I don't care if he went to church every Sunday, You don't need to be like your daddy. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. But here's something I love. In Isaiah chapter 53, God did something about iniquity. God did something to help you with with this thing so that we can get into the presence of God. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace upon him with his stripes for a heal Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. I'm glad for that, aren't you? Verse 11 continues on. And he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And What that comes down to is this this morning. If you've got something in your life that's keeping you from settling in and walking in the presence of God that's become an idol or an image to you, Jesus took that. He took it. Aren't you glad? And listen, to the Christian people, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, The foundation of the Lord standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Folks, if you name... Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If He lives in your heart, then if there's idols and images and things that you're following after more than Him, then He said, Depart from that. God knows. See, so you may hide it from the pastor, you may hide it from a parent, you may hide it from a child or brother, sister, husband, or wife. But there's nothing that you can hide from Almighty God. But God didn't stop. New Testament in Titus chapter 2 verse 14 and mm, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So that's what we need to be following after. Good works. Good works. Doing the things of almighty God. One other thing. Understand this that idolatry will tell you that it's inconvenient to worship God. It's inconvenient to get up early and read the Word. It's inconvenient to go to church. It's inconvenient to praise God. So instead of doing all that, keep God in your mind, but have these other things. Isn't that what Pharaoh told Moses and the children of Israel in Egypt? Worship Him, but don't go nowhere to do it. That's what he said. Then he said, worship Him, but don't go far. And that's what idolatry does for us. I'll give you whatever God can give you. I'll do that. One other thing, I want to close with this this morning. This is a soul bearing thing for me. But I feel like I need to share it with you. I hadn't done anything wrong, I hadn't gone out. Okay. Y'all know how that I got all wrapped up having to have a pontoon. Boat. I talked about that. Talked about. It. Now let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with having a pontoon boat. Okay? Nothing. Nothing. But I'd got to where I spent every free minute looking the internet for pontoon boats. I see one coming down the road, I'm this way. Go by a boat place, I'm looking, I'm looking. Following somebody says a boat over here, say so i go look, i go look. We drove here and there and looking all over for pontoon boats. Now, I didn't think that much about it except that I would sit there at night with my little iPad looking for pontoon boats. I'd do that. Go back in my little study. I should have been studying the Word, and I'm looking for pontoon boats, looking at, and just, oh man, that'd be so nice. I'd see one. Of them. And here's what happened I'd see somebody with one, and I'd say, I'd love to have that. I would. You know, you know what it's getting into, don't you? Arab of lust. A few weeks ago, when I was reading in Ezekiel chapter 14. The Lord convicted me of that. I just said to him, God, what's wrong with me having a pontoon boat? And the Lord spoke to him and said, there's nothing wrong with you having a pontoon boat. He said, but something you don't even have in your possession has already got you. I just broke and cried. Driving down the road, repented of that. I'll have a pontoon boat at some point in time. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's not a priority for me anymore. My priority there's me being in my, is to be in the presence of God. And I'll say this to you. If having a pontoon boat hinders me being in my relationship with God like I need to be, then I'll refuse to ever own one. I believe I can own one now and have it right. I really believe that. And I really believe that the grace of God kept me kept me until the grace of God could check me. And I repented. I come home and told Loretta I said, I want to pray about this thing. I gotta turn it loose. So we prayed, I repented, and we come together and we said we made this decision. Now, I'm not saying this for any other purpose except to tell you how I want to see the presence of God. We repented of that and we made this agreement that what we would put into a pontoon boat, we're going to put it into this building over the next two years. It's more important to me than any boat floating down the river. I'm not telling you that you've got to do anything this morning. I'm just simply telling you this. You say, well, that's all Old Testament. What about the grace of God? Verse 5 here says this. God said, I want to get you by the heart, Israel, and pull you back to me. That's what God's wanting to do this morning. He's going to reach out on the edge of that ledge and take you by your heart and pull you back to Him. Like He said in verse 11, so that I can be your God and you can be my people. Bow your heads with me just now. Father, I ask you to come and touch in this congregation, this group. Lord, I know that things that we've ministered this morning, no doubt hard, hard hard-hitting, tough, But oh God, I thank you that we've not forgot your grace.